I stepped through the airport doors and out into China. I paused and let the chaos take a good hard whack at my senses. A thousand revving engines in the car park ahead did battle with a thousand voices around me as people shouted at their phones. The signs were written in both Chinese script and what looked to me like Arabic. I couldn't read either language, so I joined the crush of bodies that I guessed were waiting for a taxi. I stood a foot taller than most people, but as far as they were concerned, I was invisible. I was in Urumqi, a sprawling city in Xinjiang province, way up in the top left corner of China. No city in the world is as far from an ocean as Urumqi, and as we'd flown in from Beijing, I watched the terrain shift from razor-sharp snow-capped mountains to vast stretches of empty desert. Somewhere down there, a team of race organisers had plotted a 155-mile route that took in those freezing peaks, the incessant wind, and that desolate, lifeless scrubland known as the Gobi Desert. I was going to run across it, knocking out a little less than a marathon a day for four days, then almost two marathons on the fifth day, and an hour-long sprint for the final six-mile stage that would bring the race to a close. These races are called multi-stage ultras, and it's hard to think of a more brutal test of mental and physical toughness. People like me pay thousands of pounds for the privilege of putting ourselves through pure agony, shedding up to 10% of our body weight in the process, but it's worth it. We get to run in some of the remotest and most picturesque parts of the world, and we have the safety net of a dedicated support crew and highly trained medical crew on our side. Sometimes these challenges can be excruciating, but they're also life-changing, and reaching the finish line is one of life's most rewarding experiences. Sometimes things don't go so well, like the last time I tried to run six marathons in a week. I ended up in the middle of the pack in agony. At the time it felt terminal, as if I'd never compete again. But I recovered just enough for one last shot. If I could run well in the Gobi race, maybe I'd yet have some more running in me. After all, in the three years since I'd taken up running seriously, I'd found out how good it felt to be on the podium. The thought of never competing again made me feel queasy inside. If things went wrong, as they had for another competitor in the same race a few years back, I could end up dead. According to the internet, the drive from the airport to the hotel was supposed to take 20 or 30 minutes. But the closer we got to the hour mark, the more agitated the driver became. He had started out grouchy when he realised I was an English-speaking tourist and quoted me a price three times as much as I was expecting. It had got only worse from there. By the time we pulled up outside a red brick building, he was waving his arms and trying to shove me out of the cab. I looked out the window, then back at the low-resolution image i shown him before we started the journey. It was kind of similar if you squinted a bit, but it was obvious that he hadn't brought me to a hotel. I think you need some glasses, mate, I said, trying to keep it light and get him to see the funny side. It didn't work. Begrudgingly, he picked up his phone and yelled at someone on the other end. When we finally made it to my destination, 20 minutes later, he was livid, shaking his fists and burning rubber as he sped away. Not that I'd been bothered. As much as ultra-running batters your body, it also assaults your mind. 
You learn pretty quickly how to block out distractions and mildly annoying things like lost toenails or bleeding nipples. The stress coming from an enraged taxi driver was nothing I couldn't ignore. The next day was a different story. I had to travel a few hundred miles out of the city by bullet train to get to the race headquarters in a large town called Hami. Right from the moment I arrived at the station in Urumqi, I knew I was in for a journey that would test my patience. I'd never seen such security at a train station. There were military vehicles everywhere, temporary metal roadblocks funneling pedestrians and traffic past armed guards. I'd been told to allow myself two hours to get on the train, but as I stared at the great tide of people ahead of me, I wondered whether it was going to be enough. If the previous day's taxi rider taught me anything, it's that if I missed my train, I wasn't sure I could overcome the language barrier and rebook another ticket. And if I didn't get to the race meeting point that day, who knew if I would even...